Hello, I'm Mercedes. And I'm Tash. And you're listening to episode 217 of Chat Disney. Welcome back to the Chat Disney podcast. And in today's episode, we are counting down the top 10 Disney kings. So in honour of the king's coronation in the UK last weekend, we thought it would be fitting to do just that talk about disney kings we did a similar episode last week for the queen uh, last week last year i should say for the queen's jubilee but disney kings is a subject that we have never discussed here on the chat disney podcast so we are about to fix that but before we do let's have a quick look at what's been happening in the world of disney this week So first of all, some news from the park closest to home, Disneyland Paris, and some new dolls have been added to It's a Small World. And this is after the extensive closure of the attraction. And we know now that some of these new dolls are very much in keeping with Disney's pledge to be much more inclusive, as you'll now see dolls in wheelchairs featured within the attraction. I think they've made this update to some of the other resorts already, but now Disneyland Paris is up to speed as well. And Disneyland Paris also celebrated World Wish Day last week, which is the anniversary of the very first official wish that was granted by the Make-A-Wish Foundation. And to celebrate, they invited more than 80 Make-A-Wish children from over 14 different countries with their families for a visit to Disneyland Paris. And a key moment that took place on Saturday, April the 29th, was when the children participated in a really special pre-parade show with all three of Sleeping Beauty's fairies, Flora, Fauna and Merryweather, Cinderella's fairy godmother and the genie as well, and of course Mickey, all of the wish makers. And it was a moment for guests and cast members alike to really celebrate these incredible children. Um, final bit of Disneyland Paris news. Pluto has debuted a brand new cowboy-inspired outfit in Frontierland. So we've seen Minnie and Goofy over in Frontierland at Disneyland Paris rocking their yellow and red Frontierland cowboy-inspired outfits. And Pluto is now joining in the fun with a little handkerchief, neckerchief thing covered in bones. Lovely, lovely. I was wondering if he was going to be in some uh, tasseled trousers, much like our dear pal Goofy. Heading over to Disneyland for some news and something I'm really excited about. The live action version of Ariel will be available for meet and greet in the park very, very soon. I can only imagine that queues for this meet and greet are going to be out of this world. But yeah, I think it's really, really great that they are putting a live action version of her into the parks and Pandora celebrated mums everywhere with a special pre-Mother's Day event in both Disneyland and Walt Disney World of course uh, the US celebrates Mother's Day on a slightly different day to us here in, in the UK our Mother's Day has already been and gone guests could purchase special pieces for their mothers including including calligraphy to ensure that they were taking home one-of-a-kind pieces love this Yes, and sticking with Walt Disney World, some more merchandise. A Timon sipper has come to Animal Kingdom, and we know how popular these popcorn buckets and limited edition sippers can be. So if Timon is one of your favourite animals from the Animal Kingdom or from the Lion King movie, then definitely get your hands on this one as soon as you can. 
Absolutely. And some Disney 100 news. And there is an immersive Disney animation experience coming to 100 Kellogg Lane in London. What an address. But don't get too excited. Unfortunately, it is not London in the UK. I mean, do get excited if you're in Canada because that is where this London is. It is in Canada. And the event will feature a video montage of Disney films and music projected onto floors and walls. Hopefully we do get it to our London in the UK at some point. Yeah, absolutely. We've had quite a lot of cool Disney 100 stuff already popping up in London and we've got some more to talk about later on this year, which is very exciting. And heading to a galaxy far, far away, some Star Wars news. Last week was, of course, May the 4th, Star Wars Day, and lots of stuff was happening. Tash mentioned in the news last week that Carrie Fisher finally got her walk on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, uh, her star, rather, on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, which is really awesome. And a new Simpsons Star Wars short debuted on Disney Plus for May the 4th as well. And this one stars Maggie Simpson and it was called Rogue Not Quite One and at time of recording I haven't actually watched it yet but I will be sure to do so and let you know my thoughts and even more exciting for Star Wars Day a very rare character from the Star Wars prequels actually made an appearance at one of the After Dark Star Wars events at Disneyland in California and this was Anakin Skywalker himself absolutely amazing i've never seen an anakin face character before i don't even know if they've ever done it before i'm a little bit disappointed that it wasn't anakin and padme but i still think that this is a really awesome rare character for them to bring out yeah absolutely. i mean even i think that is really really cool and finally some marvel news i've been told i need to be really excited about this piece of news so guardians of the galaxy volume 3 is now in cinemas globally hallelujah spectacular job there we go she almost had us fooled (laughs) (laughs) and that pretty much concludes everything that's been happening in the world of disney this week we're now going to move on to the main part of the episode talking all about the top disney kings So we are nothing if not honest on this podcast. I think it's what brings lots of our listeners back time and time again. And in full transparency, Tash and I actually had quite a lot of difficulty pulling together a list of top 10 Disney kings because there just aren't that many king leader male role models within the Disney classics, Pixar, Star Wars Marvel there just there there aren't that many to choose from so we have managed to do it we've pulled together a list of 10 there are some notable ones in here some slightly rogue ones in here it'll be really interesting to know what you at home think about this list and which Disney Kings you would have put in your top 10 yeah absolutely so shall I kick us off today I mean I feel like I've slightly been scraping the barrel a little bit here with some of these because as you said there's just not enough we've got plenty of princes but we thought you know we're gonna we're gonna be true to to the king's coronation so we're only doing kings so I'm gonna start off with uh, a classic um, from a classic movie and I have got King Stefan from Sleeping Beauty and he's not massively in the film he, we don't see an awful lot of him but what we do see of him we get to know that he is quite loving he's quite calm he's obviously quite good friends with King Hubert who is Prince Philip's dad who is a lot more sort of loud and, and jolly and a bit more um, sort of boisterous I guess and in comparison to him Stefan is quite calm 
Um, and yeah, easygoing. I, I think he would be my kind of, of person. I feel like I'd get on with better with him more than I would with Hubert. Um, and he's quite protective of his family as well. Obviously, he loves his family. He loves his daughter. He's very calm when in that scene in the beginning when Maleficent first arrives. He doesn't rise to her like any kind of noble king should. He kind of is quite stoic. Um, kind of gives her like a I don't know. He's yeah. It's kind of all in his face with with her. He doesn't you know threaten to banish her or whatever he doesn't really stand up for her in a way I think that some kings would he's quite um what's the word quite classy king I think King Stefan so yeah there's not really too much more I can say about him but that's my views on King Stefan so that's why I put him on my list yeah, I like Stefan too, and I definitely like him more than Hubert, as you said. I haven't, I obviously, I haven't watched the second Maleficent movie. I have watched the first, and they kind of, they slightly alter Stefan's character. So I guess for the purposes of this, we're just talking about the portrayal of King Stefan in the original Sleeping Beauty classic animated movie. I really love that moment at the end of the movie when Aurora is reunited with her parents and her mum is hugging her, her mum who literally is her clone. And I think it's Stefan that's kind of got his arms around the pair of them and then he's sort of gently stroking her long hair. It's either Stefan that's stroking it or the mother, but I definitely think it is Stefan. And that image of the three of them entwined in that hug is really powerful I think and I agree I think he's like a really good father role model figure but also a good king absolutely so I'm really intrigued to know who you've got in fifth place on your list okay so this is number nine in our top 10 and Tash is never going to speak to me ever again because she's going to say that this doesn't count but I'm going to argue till the ends of the earth, till the world's end, some may say, that this does count. I've got Elizabeth Swan. (laughs) No, that doesn't count. It does count. So in the third Pirates of the Caribbean movie, Elizabeth Swan is named the King of the Pirates. So this happens at the King's Council when they're doing the nine pieces of eight. I actually still don't really understand what a nine piece of eight is. That's like, I, I, I it's one of those things I've meant to look up over the years and haven't done. And the reason that I think that Elizabeth is a really good leader, and yes, she's female, but hey, as I said, there are not many male uh, sort of role models in 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 positions of power in the Disney universe. I really struggled with this list, and, and so we have a female king. The reason that I think she's a really good king is that she's the only king on this list that's elected, and I think that there is something to be said about that. Obviously, it's Jack Sparrow that decides to sort of forfeit himself um, in order to give Elizabeth the power, and in doing so, they make the decision to release Calypso, which ultimately ends the, the battle that's going on. So she's a very good leader. And I think that especially at the time that it's set as well, she's very much this kind of, you know, downtrodden female character who has to just stand there looking pretty and wearing corsets and there's no opportunity for her in the world. And actually in the pirate world, gender is much more equal. We obviously have Zoe Saldana's character in the first Pirates of the Caribbean and she's just treated like everybody else on deck, all of the crewmates. And I like that it's a a female that ultimately becomes the king um, of the pirates, the pirate lord, whatever the official title is. It is definitely a king of something, some description. And it's a good twist as well because it's a king. We obviously assume that, oh, it's going to be Jack that becomes the king or, you know, Barbosa is the other likely candidate. But no, the king is Elizabeth Swan. I mean, I feel like 
I like it that you've got this in in a sense because why should a king have to be male? And I love that she is made king of the the pirates. But then also, why does she have to be a king? Why can't she be queen of the pirates? Why is the title of king seen as being more superior to the title of queen? It's a very good question. And we see it again. Hold that thought, because the next one that I'm going to talk about, we see a similar thing happen with a title and gender and that kind of stuff. So hold that thought. And in the meantime, what have you got in number eight? Okay, this is this is getting interesting. Um, so in number eight, I have got uh, the King of Arendelle. I've gone for King Agnar, King Agna. I'm not really sure how you pronounce his name. I, again, I think he kind of, he's got some similarities, I would say, to, to King Stefan. Um, he's quite calm, but also you see him having fun with his children, which I like. I like that he married um, his childhood, his childhood friend. Um, obviously, she was the one that saved him, but I like that he does marry for love. Ultimately, he's not in one of these kind of arranged betrothed marriages. There are some questionable traits, I think, with his personality. So obviously, you have the whole conceal, don't feel, don't let it show, um, which he encourages um, Elsa to do so that her powers don't overtake. So you could read into that a little bit as he's almost telling her to, you know, conceal her feelings, don't be her true self, hide a part of herself. But actually, I think that he is doing it out of love. I don't think that he is wanting her to control her powers because he thinks, or that he's afraid of it, but he thinks that it might be problematic for her in the real world. You know, I think in a way he's being realistic. He knows that she's going to be treated different and she is. People refer to her as a, as a freak and a monster and she runs away when... Um, her powers finally come out. I mean, we know that, you know, from previous um, interviews and stuff that originally it was considered that she was going to be the villain of Frozen and then they turned it all around, of course. Um, so, yeah, I think that it does come from a good place and he just wants to protect his daughters ultimately. And obviously it is a crying shame that he goes off um, with his wife and is is sadly killed. Um, so we don't, again, see an awful lot of him in Frozen. We see a little bit more of him in, in Frozen too. But yeah, I think he's he's quite a good king. He's better than some of them as, as kings go. So that's why I've I've picked him. Yeah, it's an interesting one because that whole kind of conceal, don't feel narrative, I hadn't really thought about that in the context of King Agnar. And actually, it kind of, there's a bit of a discrepancy between his character and his personality in Frozen 1 versus Frozen 2, because obviously in Frozen 2, he is aware that Anna and Elsa's mother is one of the people, I wanted to say one of the wildlings, but I'm very aware that that's from Game of Thrones. What are they called, the people? Northandra. Northandria. Isn't Northandra in Zootopia? Northand- is it? Isn't that like... Oh, no, right. that's, that's Tundra Town I'm maybe thinking of. It is the North Northandra. Is it? Is that right? Yeah. I don't know. Tash is Googling it because I can't remember. I'm sure she's right, but I don't know. It doesn't sound quite right to me. Maybe I'm just... That's it. North Oldra. Well done. So, yeah, he's aware that their mother is one of those people and he does... Well, he does conceal that, doesn't he? So maybe that is in keeping with his character. But he 
doesn't have any prejudice when he meets her. He still falls in love with her and like protects her. And obviously the girls find this out through the memory of water. They don't actually know this growing up that their parents are from two different worlds. But that makes me feel like he's like a kind, it's almost like a Romeo and Juliet story. Like these two people coming from different worlds. He's obviously a young prince when they meet. I'd quite like to see this, this love story play out in its own prequel. I think it would be very entertaining. Yeah, I feel like if they were going to do anything else for the Frozen franchise, then do something pre-Elsa and Anna, because they're quite interesting characters. So it would be nice to see a little bit more of them and also to see a bit more of a king as well. Because I feel like, again, side note here, and it's something you kind of touched upon in the beginning, but the kings, most of the kings bar one, I would say really, that I've got on, on my list are not main characters. And then I think the kings that we do see more of in, in movies are not necessarily great kings, but... Yeah, I'll, I'll save that point for, for later on in, in the episode. But okay, I'm dying to know who you've got. I can't think of who you might have that comes into this whole gender role thing that we were just talking about. So enlighten me. You'll see, you'll see. So up next, so this is the seventh best Disney king. I have got the Sultan from Aladdin. Now, the reason I was saying it kind of is linked again to the gender is that in the live action version, so maybe I should have put Princess Jasmine Tash um, as number one on my best kings, but I won't. I won't push my luck too much. But yeah, in the live action, Jasmine becomes Sultan. Well, some Sultan is just another word for king. So again, it's like, why does she become? That what's the female version? Would it be Sultana, or is that really disrespectful? <laughs> I have no idea. Another thing I'm going to Google and see if... But there must be a female word for sultan, like king, queen. Anyway, but yeah, I haven't... Is it sultana? Sultana. No, it's not. Yeah, Yeah, it's sultana. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, there we go. But she's not a sultana, is she? She's a raisin. No, I'm joking. She's a sultan. She's a sultan. So yeah, I actually, do you know what? Scrap the list. I'm starting from the beginning in first spot for the best king. I've got Princess Jasmine. No, I'm joking. (laughs) But no, I have got, I have got the sultan. But yeah, it does, it does link to this thing. Again, like you say, it's a very good point, Tash. Why do they call Elizabeth Swan a king? Why is a king seen as more powerful than a queen and they still keep her as the king of the pirates rather than the queen of the pirates whatever anyway I digress massively so yes Sultan and I am talking about Jasmine's father not Jasmine from the 1992 classic is it 92 could be 93 I'm pretty sure it's 92 Aladdin one of my favorite Disney movies of all time why have I got the Sultan well very similarly to your two picks Tash he's a fantastic role model he's an only father um or uh, an only father (laughs) (laughs) a single parent um to, to Jasmine obviously we learn a little bit more about Jasmine's mother's backstory in the live action but in the classic animation she isn't mentioned actually I think he might say something about like your mother or maybe now I'm thinking of the chief in Pocahontas I don't know I'm all over the place but yes the sultan is a bumbling little fool he's very easily manipulated he's a very sweet and caring man and I'm sure that he rules Agrabah accordingly we we don't see an awful lot of that only that Jafar's kind of hijacked the sultan's plans for the people of Agrabah and and, and Jafar definitely rules the the police at, at least and the palace guards with a very strict hand we see you know people getting their hands chopped off for stealing fruit in the market and and Aladdin being killed for stealing the princess even though he didn't and that kind of stuff but that seems like that all comes from Jafar 
and his ruling of the country rather than the Sultan, who, as I say, seems like a very compassionate, very sweet man. He changes the law at the end of the movie so that Jasmine can marry Aladdin, which is really sweet. And he kind of challenges, you know, the convention, conventional status quo of that time in doing so. He absolutely idolizes his daughter. And the only reason that he sort of entraps her in the palace is because he is so worried about losing her. And, and maybe that does come from whatever happened to her mother. We don't get to know very much about that. But anyway... It was slim pickings. I mean, it, it, there we go. He's more he's more relevant than Elizabeth Swan, so that's why I've got him as number seven. Okay, yeah, fair. I mean, I, yeah, I, I don't mind the Sultan. I don't buy that he is the Sultan, the king of a of a country. I just don't believe it because he is so bumbling and naive, and he's so. I mean, come on, like I feel is you've only got to look at Jafar, right, to see that he's pure evil from within. And I feel like I don't buy that the Sultan doesn't doesn't see past that. Um, but I feel like he's I feel like he's very much like the face of the king. I, I imagine he's like a man of the people, and like the locals already already like him and think he's really kind. Um, and I imagine that Jafar is is the one who's kind of you know pulling pulling the strings. I mean, he does literally at the end, right, when he's got the the Sultan in that jester outfit and he is on strings. So yeah, I I feel like yeah he's he's quite good. I'd I'd have him on. Yeah, I think we can allow him. Um, so next up, I have got someone who is introduced to us as a prince and then in his diabolical sequel that um was released last year um he is the king and it's king edward the the king of andalasia from enchanted although he is a prince in enchanted and he becomes a king in disenchanted of course or he's already a king and he's reintroduced to us in in disenchanted as a king with his wife queen nancy and i really like king edward i mean he's a bit you know again a, a little bit annoying he's very naive he's very pure and he's very narcissistic, but without causing harm to, to anyone. He's a very comedic comedy character played, played brilliantly by James Marsden. And I just love the juxtaposition of him being from, you know, the fairy tale world of Andalasia, going to New York. He really wants to be that knight in shining armour character going to save Giselle when actually he's not really, really needed because Giselle is so well suited to, to the real world and she falls in love with, with Robert. So he's, you know, her kind of knight in shining armour in the way. And then, you know, he's your classic prince. He falls in love with Giselle at first sight, you know, he wants to marry her. But then, obviously, at the end, he falls in love with Nancy instead, who is completely different from him. She's not in his world. And I love that he does end up with someone and he's very happy. And then I love that him and Nancy become king and queen and we see them again in the second movie. Actually, seeing them again in the second movie, Disenchanted, was probably one of my best parts of Disenchanted because I wasn't a huge fan of the movie itself. But I really like that scene when we first are reintroduced to them in what is, is it like Monroeville, Monroe Town or something where, where they move to? Something like that. And um, Robert's going off for work and he's like, oh, don't forget, where's your sword? Or like gives him his umbrella or something. It's like, don't forget your sword. I really like all of all of that, that, you know, the fact that they probably know a little bit about the real world now because Giselle lives there and they obviously go to visit her. But he's still very much in the mindset of being from the fairy tale world. So, yeah, this is one of the kings. He was quite an easy pick for me from for this list. I think it's a great choice. And it's funny because I didn't enjoy Disenchanted, but 
like as a whole but actually I would say that Nancy and Edward's appearance was probably the best bit I feel like they were kind of the saving characters of the sequel and actually they had a much bigger role in the sequel to in comparison to the first one and I agree with you I think it's really nice that they've stayed in touch with Morgan and Giselle and Robert Robert was an absolute waste of space in that second movie I don't really know why he was even there to be honest but anyway that's not what we're talking about so yeah I think that's a very good very good choice perfect so we're into our top five so Mercedes who is in spot number five or your third is this five, five, four, three, two, one? Yeah, it is five. Like honestly, maths not not my strong suit. So in fifth spot, I have got a king, and there is no denying that this character is a king. So I've stuck to the straight and narrow now that we're into the top five, and this is a character that we see grow up throughout the movie and kind of, you know, they're very aware of their destiny and of being king. And then the final moment of the movie is that character becoming the king, the king of Pride Rock, no less. I have got Simba as number five. Now, the reason I've not got him higher up is because we actually don't get to see very much of him as a king in that sort of king role and the reason that I have included him is first of all Simba's a very likable character he's a very popular protagonist he's got lots of really great things going for him very charming funny endearing all of that kind of stuff but I like his character development I like the fact that as a young boy as a prince he runs away and kind of um neglects his responsibilities through no fault of his own but ultimately when the time is right he does the right thing and he returns to pride rock it would have been very easy for him to continue living in that tropical paradise with timon and pumbaa burying his head under the sand pretending that all was well but he didn't he did the the thing that's not easy and i think that that's what all good leaders do and he went back and challenged his uncle scar for pride rock and was able to thwart him and, and ultimately become the ruler. And just like that, all of the vegetation returned to Pride Rock and it started to rain again. I mean, maybe he's a god. Maybe he's not even a king. Um, but yeah, so he he does ultimately save the day by doing the right thing for his people, for his companions. Maybe I should have had Scar as a king on this list, but I don't like Scar, so I didn't. So I had Simba. Nice. Yeah, Simba is a, is a great one and I'm sure... I may be talking about him again somewhat in a some capacity capacity uh, shortly on in this list. Um, but second on my list um, was another easy pick for me and one of my favourite kings. And it is King Fergus, the king of Dunbroch from Brave. I really like Fergus. I think he's a really fun character. He's quite brave. You know, obviously he fought off Mordu. He's got that that wooden leg. So we see that he's not afraid to get his hands dirty. And he was appointed king by the other communities because he got, I think, something to do with he got into or helped them with battles. So they appointed him as king because of his leadership and his bravery. So we know that he's, you know, He's, he's not afraid to sort of get in amongst it and, and be a man of the people. What I really like about him is that we really see his playful side. He's very different to his wife, Queen Eleanor. They're actually polar opposites, I would say. She's quite, you know, she's very serious, takes things very seriously, very kind of true to tradition, whereas he is willing to break away from it a little bit more. And we see him frequently kind of having a lot of fun with his his kids, especially the three 
triplets, the boys, and, you know, getting quite annoyed by them playing pranks on him, but in a very, you know, happy, loving way. Um, I really like that. I think he's like quite, quite a relatable character and, and quite realistic as, as, as a dad, I would say. I like that we see him kind of first and foremost as a loving father than we do as a king. And we see him being a good dad to Merida as well. I feel like he just goes along with trying to marry her off because it's what Eleanor wants, as I said, you know, she's very... Um, sort of keen to stick with tradition whereas he I think doesn't really want um Merida to to grow up he kind of wants her to fend for herself um and he you know sees that any of those three wallies who are fighting for her hand are not fit for her and he's happy for the rules to change and for her to you know fight for her own hand and not marry herself but for her to to be alone at the end of the the movie so yeah i really like king king fergus voiced by billy Con billy connolly i feel that he is yeah he's just a, a good comedic sort of the earth all-rounder as a king i might get some hate for this but i really don't like billy connolly's voice and another character that he voices in the disney universe is ray from pocahontas the one who's like, oh, John Smith. Oh, that's my Billy Connolly impression. Um, I hope you appreciated that. I I, I don't like him. I think he's quite a pig-headed king. Yeah, I, I can see why you would think that. And yeah, I just, I looked at his relationship with his children and as being like a family man rather than the scenes where they're in the castle and it's like all the kings together. And it's a bit like, I mean, I can see why you think that. You hate like, a good old knees up and a lot of what he does in that movie is have a good old knees up like there's a lot of drinking and tomfoolery I would say with like the other men they're quite quite laddie so yeah I can yeah I can where you're coming from with that comment it's interesting I was at a wedding two weekends ago now by the time you listen to this and as many of my friends and family know, I'm not a fan of the saxophone. It makes me feel some kind of way. I just, I don't like saxophones. And one of my friends who will remain nameless came up to me and said, do you know how you don't like saxophones? And I was like, yeah. And they were like, I feel that way with like a trombone. Like it gives me that real kind of like, like the knees up feeling like that kind of like burr, burr, burr. And he's, he's a character that would have a knees up if ever I've sort of saw one, but yeah, the way they kind of like they smash around the castle, that bit when he's like trying to find the bear in the castle and they're just like, he's a funny character. But yeah, I just, yeah, I don't know. I, I Hey, it was a very, very difficult job putting this list together, I tell you. It was, yeah. I wouldn't want to be married to him. No. <laughs> enjoy him from the comfort of my own home. There we go. We didn't. Yeah, that wasn't the criteria for putting this list together. Which king would you marry? Um, otherwise, it would look quite different. I don't think I'd have Simba on mine. I don't think I'd have any of them on mine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're getting into it. We're getting into the the final the final three. So, who have you got in the silver spot? The bronze spot. The bronze spot. Sorry. That is quite all right. So in the bronze position, number three on this list, and my penultimate best Disney king, I have gone for arguably the most renowned king uh, within the Disney universe. I say Disney universe because technically their movie is owned by Disney, but it's a, yeah, 
question mark one, I guess, a little bit. It's not a classic. It's not Pixar. It's not Marvel. It's not Star Wars. So it falls slightly out of the standard. I have gone for the pumpkin king himself, Jack Skellington. Tash is shaking her head. He is fantastic. I like Jack a lot. Now, when we did our worst Disney couples, I did put Jack and Sally in there. I don't like them as a couple. I don't like them as a romantic interest. It doesn't work for me. But Jack on his own is a stellar character. I am a big, big fan of Jack Skellington his hope, his glee, his joyful optimism as he goes to Christmas town and thinks that the monsters of his own location would be able to recreate such a magical, wonderful place and then watches it crash and burn and is very dis- disappointed. He isn't a good leader. He isn't a good king by any stretch. He doesn't listen when the people of Halloween Town tell him that Christmas is a disaster. But ultimately, he does learn from his mistakes, He saves the day, rescues Sally and Santa, apologizes profusely to Santa as well, and gets back to running Halloween Town, the thing that he is good at. So I like Jack a lot. I know that Tash does not particularly enjoy The Nightmare Before Christmas or Jack Skellington, but I like him. For me, he makes that film what it is. He's the hero of the film. And I've never really thought about it before, but I think that Jack is one of the reasons that I like the movie so much because I do think that he is a really pure character, which is weird to say for the Pumpkin King, the ruler of Halloween Town, a skeleton, but he is. He's he's like a child, you know, when he goes to Christmas Town and, you know, he's smelling the mince pies and the lights and he he's like, you know, a kid at Disneyland for the first time. So... I think there's something very endearing about our friend Jack, and that's why I've got him as the third best Disney king. I mean, I feel like this is a king to to the king of pirates. So, yeah, I feel like he's not a traditional king. What? He's not really a king. He's a pumpkin king. Are you joking? <laughs> I, You're right. I don't like The Nightmare Before Christmas. However, I do actually quite like Jack Skellington. I think the two... That things that have that two things that I think what am I trying to say like have going for it like the night before, before the two elements you like about it are the songs and also Jack Skellington for basically yeah everything that you just described there I think he is a likable character he is a bit naive and a bit foolish but I think he does have you know the best intentions at heart so yeah I'll, I'll let you have it <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. I mean, my other choice, you definitely wouldn't have let me have. So I'm pleased with that. Moving on to our silver medal, Tash, who is in second. So I basically let the cat out of the bag, let the lion out of the bag already, should we say. Um, And it is, of course, Mufasa from The Lion King. To me, Mufasa is just the ultimate king. And it's a crying shame that he is killed off not even halfway through through that movie in what I think is one of the most shocking deaths in in movie history of all time, not just not just Disney movies. Um, but yeah, I love Mufasa. I think he is the perfect king. I think that he is, you know, loving. He really cares about his family, but then he is very intimidating as well. You know, we don't see we don't we see him not let Scar and the hyenas push him around. He's willing to stand up for for what he believes for his family. He's willing to put Scar, his brother, in his place. Um, but then we do see his loving side with Simba, his son as well. You know, we've got that amazing pouncing scene 
where they wind up Zazu. We also see that scene after he's rescued Simba and Nala from the elephant graveyard. So we've seen him be really brave, going in, fighting off Scar, fighting off the hyenas to save the, the two of them. Um, but then also we see how strict he is. He doesn't let Simba get away with it lightly. He does give him a stellar talking to. Um, but then it does ultimately end in playfulness, that scene when they have that rollabout under the stars. And I love that scene with them. And then obviously he does ultimately end up sacrificing himself for, you know, to save his his son's life. So I think, you know, what what more could you want in a in a father figure, really? And I know you said you wouldn't marry any of these kings, but if I was a lion, I'd want to marry Mufasa. So that's why I think he is the best Disney king out of them all. Yeah, I, I'm not going to argue with that. I think that when you think of a Disney king, Mufasa is the one that kind of springs to mind. And I do think that he's a really great role model for Simba. Obviously, Simba doesn't get to grow up with his father for a really big portion of the movie, which I think is a real shame. But yeah, I mean, that that voice, that James Earl Jones voice, it just makes you feel calm and looked after and his his mottos as well what, what's the motto with you sorry <laughs> so bad but anyway um like you know the great kings of our past look down on us remember who you are and everything the light touch you know they're so easy to recall these sort of lessons and I think a good king does that they teach they educate they want to make the world a better place than the one that they found and I think Mufasa is certainly somebody that upholds those values absolutely so i can't even think of any more disney kings apart from the ones that i don't have on my list because i don't like them so i don't even i can't even hazard a guess as to who's the top of your list well before we dive into that i have an honorable mention and that honorable mention i think you will approve of tash because it's a great pick but there's absolutely no way you were going to let me have it because the source material that they come from isn't really Disney. And that is, of course, George III from Hamilton. So I didn't put it on the list because Disney owned the the rights to the video recording of Hamilton that we watch on Disney+, Plus, but they don't actually own Hamilton. Lin-Manuel Miranda, obviously, is his his baby. But, I mean, he's basically becoming like a Disney character himself, isn't he, Lin-Manuel? But there we are. So that's why I didn't include it. But yeah, I mean, he's a terrible king, but he's a great villain, fantastic comic relief, and probably one of the few actual kings um, on this list as well, rather than sort of, you know, the king of the animal world or the king of Halloween Town. He's an actual king of an actual place and based on a historical figure. So I, th- I figured he he wasn't allowed because of where he comes from. No, I love Hamilton, you know, absolutely adore Hamilton to pieces, but he is not a Disney king. So, no, you're not having that. I've got an honourable mention as well. Definitely more of a Disney king king than him, but still not not quite king enough. But I've got I've got Christoph. Obviously, he's not a king, but we never see him as a king. But he is engaged to, to Anna at the end of Frozen 2, and she does become queen. So technically, at some point, Kristoff is going to be king. Um, so. Well, no, no. Prince Philip was never a king. Well, I guess so. If you marry a queen, you're not allowed to be king, because otherwise you, you trust king, king consort. <laughs> No, you're not. No, you're not allowed because and it goes back to your thing, Tash, your feminist thing. A king is better than a queen. And that's wrong. Right. But that's why if a queen 
by birthright marries a man, he can never become king because otherwise he trumps her. That's the reason. Okay, yeah. So no, Tash, no, I'm sorry. But Elizabeth Swan, Christoph, I did actually include Elizabeth Swan, but as I say, I was actually doing Tash a favour there because between the two of us knuckleheads, we could not come up with 10 decent kings for this list. But I do have one. And again, more suspense, more suspense. Before I dive into it, I do just want to say that I just got momentarily distracted by my phone because I got an Instagram alert and then I clicked on Instagram and I saw that indeed a queen, Padme Amadilla, Amadala, was at the Star Wars night with Anakin. So I'm probably already receiving loads of abuse on Twitter for saying that she wasn't there. Um, but I've just seen a picture of her. She was there with her white makeup and her like red lips and stuff and like the big space bun looking beautiful as ever. And now the moment you've all been waiting for, drum roll, a lot of people are going to have seen this one coming. The very fact that Tash didn't see it coming means that it makes it even more obvious. I've gone for the ultimate king of kings, I have gone for King T'Challa, the Black Panther himself. He is just perfection. I mean, I actually watched Black Panther again recently. My sister had never seen it and she wanted to watch it. And she was like blown away. Like, how have I never watched this movie? It's so, so good. I mean, the movie, I could talk about Black Panther for days. In fact, it's the only ever... Marvel movie, apart from Wakanda Forever, to receive an Oscar nomination is all you need to know about it. But Chadwick Boseman, may he rest in peace. There is something just regal about that man. They couldn't have got a better actor to play T'Challa. And what I really, really love about T'Challa is that, yes, he becomes king because his father dies, so it is his birthright, but he also proves that he's the rightful Black Panther as well, not only in the battle at the beginning of the movie, but then also at the end of the movie when, I've forgotten his name, but Michael B. Jordan's character rocks up like, hey, guys, I've been chilling out in America all these years. You forgot about me or whatever. And he sort of, he beats T'Challa. The people aren't satisfied. The people want T'Challa as their king, even though he lost the combat. They're like, no, T'Challa is our king. So he's not just you know, like King Charles, who's just been coronated, it's not just a birthright with T'Challa. It's also the people demand it. The people want him to be their leader. And obviously, very tragically, Chadwick Boseman passed away in real life and that is written into Wakanda Forever. T'Challa does die. Um, Shuri becomes the new Black Panther. We don't see her become a ruler of Wakanda. So, I don't know what her title is. I don't know if she'll be a king or a queen. Obviously, his mother is is kind of the queen. What do they call it? It's a queen consorts when you're married to the king. Is it queen? Queen Regina is when it's your birthright. What's the queen if you're... Is it just queen mother or queen regent? Queen regent. I, do you know why I just remembered that? Because of Game of Thrones. Oh. <laughs> oh, how, what did you think it was? Princess Diaries. I don't know if I like it. Oh yeah, no, I think yeah, no, no. I remembered it because of Game of Thrones, because of um, Cersei Lannister. Is um, I think Marjorie for any Game of Thrones fans out there goes up to her and she goes, "What is it? I should call you now, Queen Regent or Dowager Queen?" And <laughs> um, yeah, Queen Regent is the title um, for a queen mother. So yeah, so we see Angela Bassett as the queen mother. I don't know the queen regent. I don't know what Shuri's title will be. Maybe she'll be king of Wakanda as well. I, I have no idea how that's going to work. But 
I just, oh, he just is wonderful. Like, I know, Tash, you don't like Marvel and whatever, but this movie, even taking it out of the MCU just as a standalone movie, I remember when I went to see it in the cinema and I turned to my husband and I was like, there's no way, no way that Marvel wrote this in like the 70s or 60s or whenever it was meant to be. I was like, it's not possible. It's too current for right now it's two of its time it's two but it just goes to show how the works that stanley created were ahead of their time they were visionary and i just think that yeah t'challa is the ultimate king a king of the people and the ending as well the ending he learns that his father has done some unsavory things over the years to protect Wakanda. And he actually breaks Wakanda's one sacred rule, which is that nobody is allowed to know that Wakanda exists. And he does that because he says, you know, he listens to Lupita Nyong's character. He listens to his sister, Shuri, listens to the people around him. And they're like, we could help people with our technology. And so he makes a center, Wakanda Outreach Center in in America for underprivileged kids to try and help them with their lives. So I just think he is a man of the people. He learned from his elders and their mistakes. And it's incredibly sad that Chadwick Boseman's passed away, especially when you watch that movie now, it it does make it sadder. But yeah, there was nobody else worthy (laughs) of being the top of this list it really was slim pickings but even still I think T'Challa is definitely my pick for the ultimate Disney king I feel like you spoke about him for longer than you spoke about the rest of your kings put together so Ah. alone for him then yeah there we go there are our top picks let us know was there anyone that you're expecting to be on this list that wasn't any shockers on here and who is your favorite disney king as always you can reach us on instagram at chat disney or you can find us on twitter at chat disney uk we are now going to move into the final part of the episode a little game of snap in every job that must be done there is an element of fun you find the fun And snap, the job's a game. So the way that Snap works, it's a really fun game and it's a really, really fun game that you can play in Disney queues when you're at Disneyland, waiting for attractions, that kind of thing. Now, it works much better when you're together in person and for the purposes of this audio and you getting the best out of the podcast, Tash and I are going to play it slightly differently. So what would normally happen is that on the count of three, you both say a word and you keep doing this until you say the same word. So for example, if I said, princess and tash said frog one two three we're probably both going to say tiana so that's how it works and the way that we're going to be doing it today that's slightly different is that we'll do a count of three and then we will alternate so one of us will say the word and the other one will say their word slightly after so that you don't get just a horrible noise in your headphones or on your laptop or however you're listening to today's podcast and we promise we are not cheating we have nothing to gain from cheating and um, so we will play this honestly so tash have you got a word i have okay and obviously the, the the purpose of this is to be disney related as well that's very important okay i have a word too do you want to go first on the count of three okay one one two, two three star I was going to say pumpkin. Oh, okay. Okay, So we've got a star and a pumpkin. So the words that Tash and I are now looking for connect these two things. Have you got a word? I have. 
Okay, on the count of three, one, two, three. And? Very good, mother. Oh, so, I was yeah. going that ultimately, but yeah, there we go. Okay, so wand and fairy godmother. This is going to be interesting. Okay, are you ready? Yeah. One, two, three. Magic. Magic. Yay. There we go. So it's really as simple as that. So now that you've got the idea, listeners at home, we'll do another one. We'll go a little bit more quickly. So uh, have you got a word? Um, I have, yeah. You go first this time. Okay. You can count me down. Okay. One, two, three. Pink boat. Pink boat. Okay, I've got one. Okay, yeah, I've got one. Okay. One, two, three. Ariel. Oh, small world. Oh, interesting. I was going for like her pink dress and yeah, I get I get your I small world. Know if small world boats are pink, but I feel like they are. Anyway. The building exterior is pink. It's that Mary Blair like pastel palette. Yeah. Okay, so Ariel. Small world and small world. Ariel. Okay, I've got something. Yeah, I've got something. One, two, three. Mermaid. Fantasyland. Okay, okay, I've got something. Uh okay, yeah, I've got something. Okay, okay. One, two, three. The aerial attraction. Oh, I was going to say Ariel's Grotto. I was thinking of Ariel's Grotto, but I was like, you're not going to say it. Okay, okay. So we've got the aerial attraction that I can't remember the name of, Under the Sea with Ariel and the Little Mermaid, I don't know. And Ariel's Grotto. Okay. Okay, I've got something. Okay, one, two, three. Eric's Castle. Eric. Oh, how annoying. Okay, Eric's castle and Eric. Um, okay. We I mean we could just be going on and on here, but okay, yeah, I've got one. Okay. One, two, three. Max. Prince. Okay. Max and Prince. So Max is obviously Eric's dog and Prince. Okay. Uh oh god, I okay. Max and Prince. Max and Prince. Okay. I've got something. It's going to steer us maybe down a different path, but... Yeah. One, two, three. Okay, I've got Max Goof. Oh, no, completely not. How's that Prince? I was going to say The Little Mermaid. Okay, okay. Well, we'll we'll, we'll, we'll go a couple more times. Max Goof and The Little Mermaid. Okay, yeah, I've got one. Well, I, Max Goof came about because I was thinking you could interpret Prince, like Prince the singer, and Powerline that Max Goof is obsessed with kind of gives me Prince vibes. That's where I was going with that. Okay, so we've got Max Goof and The Little Mermaid. I've got something. Okay, I've got something as well. Okay. One, two, three. Braid. Braid! Yay! Perfect. There we go. And you can go on and on and on playing this game for as long as necessary. As I say, it's a very good ride queue game or car journey game or airport game or any kind of waiting around on your Disney trip game. So go and take it away and play it with your friends and family. Absolutely. And that is the end of today's episode. As always, we will be back next time, same time, same place. Bye for now. Bye for now. Thank you. Goodbye now. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you. Goodbye.